KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Who can resist a puppy? You're smiling right now, aren't you? You want to find this dog and rub his head and give him a treat because he's a good boy. Good dog. We're not just trying to lure you in with cute animals here. Dogs, while adorable, are also skilled in many ways that humans just aren't. They're fast, really strong, and their senses, hearing, and scent go way beyond human capabilities. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, how are they so good at this when we struggle so much with all of our fancy equipment and, and they can smell it at very tiny amounts and, and very subtle differences. Now, chemists try and do this, and it takes a really, really long time and a lot of artificial intelligence to try and match all this stuff up. Dogs are like, eh, it's this. All that makes them really good workers. At the Penn Vet Working Dog Center, Puppies pretty much go into the office every day. And they come to school, they come to work every day, five days a week, and then they go home and live with their foster families and get to play and be dogs all weekend and in the evenings. This is The John Cast, a podcast about interesting and unexpected stories from Philadelphia. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa, and this week, we're playing with puppies. I mean, working. We'll get a look at the life of a working dog, from initial training to the many jobs they can do, like apprehending criminals, or in some cases, even saving lives. We'll see how working dogs not only get the job done, but they can have a profound effect on the lives of their human partners. Dr. Cindy Otto is the executive director of the Penn Vet Working Dog Center. She founded the program about a decade ago. Our roots come from my work at at, um, September 11th, Search and Rescue is, is my history as part of a team for a long time, and, and that's really what has driven a lot of our program. Dr. Otto was inspired by the dogs she saw searching for survivors. The center opened on the 11th anniversary, September 11th, 2012. But we've definitely expanded and really have a wonderful um, history with law enforcement since many of our staff um, come from a law enforcement background. Again, we're at our 10-year mark now. Uh, We've had, I think we're close to 150 dogs that have come in the program. At any one time, we have about 25 to maximum about 30 dogs. Let's start with just like the simplest questions. What is a working dog? What does that mean? It's not like they go into an office every day, right? Well, they kind of do come to an office every day. Um, But our working dogs, we define those as dogs that are performing specific tasks, working with us. Um, We predominantly think about our detection dogs and our protection dogs. Those are kind of the two big categories. So protection dogs would be guard dogs, police dogs, military working dogs. Our detection dogs are dogs that are using their noses to help us find things of interest. That may be explosives, it may be drugs, it could be spotted lanternflies, it could be (laughs) COVID. I mean, there's lots of different things that dogs are using their noses to help us find. Okay, that's already a lot for us to dig into. Dogs can detect COVID? 10 Labrador retrievers are in training at PenVet to possibly detect the scent of COVID-19 in humans, even if they are asymptomatic. Pan Medicine is among the partners in the pilot study, and biological samples from people who had COVID-19 are being used in the scent training. 
That's John McDevitt reporting for KYW News Radio back in May of 2020. To study this with COVID, the Working Dog Center had human participants wear a T-shirt overnight and then send it back to them along with the results of a COVID test. So the dogs were able to tell us which T-shirts belonged to people that had COVID and which ones didn't. Imagine if, rather than having to show a vaccine card or test results to get on a plane or into an event, we could have dogs there sniffing the crowd on the way in. Of course, we're not seeing that yet. We found that the dogs are good, but they're not quite perfect enough um, for our confidence level with this disease. Um, but I think there's ways to, to address it in the future, perhaps. And the spotted lanternflies? The concern is, as things move out of this area where we have spotted lanternflies, we don't want the egg masses to move with them. So lumber that's being transported. So that's actually being screened by one of our graduates, Lucky, um, who works with the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture to try and identify cargo or things that have been contaminated with these eggs so that we can help remove these eggs and try and prevent the spread um, of these invasive bugs. So how does all this happen? How do you train a dog to detect such a specific thing, like COVID or spotted lanternfly eggs? So here at the Penvet Working Dog Center, we bring puppies in at eight weeks of age. And they come to school, they come to work every day, five days a week, and then they go home and live with their foster families and get to play and be dogs all weekend and in the evenings. Their office is a building in the Grays Ferry neighborhood on the Schuylkill River right behind the Pennovation building. Inside, it looks like a gymnastics gym, a big mat in an open room. Further back, there are kennels and other rooms that look more like a lab or a veterinarian's office. What we do is we start by introducing them to finding a smell. There's one room with this weird-looking metal device called a scent wheel. It has eight arms that hold a canister at the end of each one. So you can put an item or a sample in one canister and the dogs have to go around and sniff it out. So in a laboratory setting, we can have the dogs actually systematically check this sample versus this sample versus this sample. But we use a system that we call a um, reward marker. And so they smell it. We click a clicker, which is just a a noise that they have learned that when this noise happens, a treat's going to follow. And then we introduce a second canister, and that canister has somebody that doesn't have the disease of interest. And so if they smell this sample that doesn't have the positive in it, so the negative sample, nothing happens. When you watch them, we have some hilarious video where they're like, uh, I I put my nose on that. Isn't that what I was getting rewarded (laughs) for? And we're like, "Mm, try again. Um, And so finally, they come back to the one that's positive, that they get a click, and they're like, hmm, there's something different about this one. So that's the search training. Well, one small piece of it. There's way more that goes into this than I could see in one visit. But it's all reward-based. You find the right scent, you get a treat. Classic Pavlovian conditioning. Then outside, there's an agility training area that I legitimately thought was a children's playground. It's got ladders and tunnels and bridges, all kinds of different surfaces for the dogs to navigate through. (laughs) Tough day at work, huh? I know. Play all day long. Ready? 
we're not going to force them to do anything they, they don't want to do and so we have to make it the best thing ever to want to work mm -hmm. and these dogs really want to work and want to offer behaviors and try and get that reward and play and all the things. Um, How do I train myself, like the dog, to really, <laughs> that, to, for, for work to be the best right, thing it's ever? It's the reward though, you know, if they were paying you a million dollars, you definitely yeah. do. If I got true. treats and food every time right? I worked, I would want to work right? more. Dr. Otto talked about the two different types of work they train their dogs for, detection and protection. All that search training was for detection dogs. Both have to do agility training. And then for protection dogs? They do what we call criminal apprehension. Um, and that would be what people would, would sometimes call aggression or attack work. I think it's really important to realize it's not an attack. It's actually an apprehension. Um, it's bite and hold um, is really how we train that, mm -hmm. is that that dog, their goal is to just hold that person there, to restrain them. It's also important to note that when these dogs go and work with law enforcement, they don't want the dogs to have to bite. And most of the time, they don't. If I'm running away and somebody, an officer says, stop or I'm going to release my dog, I certainly know well enough that I'm going to stop. But a lot of times, the, the ability for the dog helps de-escalate things. This training looks a little scary. Someone has to volunteer to let a dog bite them. They get some heavy-duty protective equipment, a giant padded sleeve, or even a whole suit, so the bite won't pierce their skin. But they can still feel it, even through the marshmallow suit. They only get bruised. <laughs> <They don't, laughs> sometimes, sometimes things get a little bit, you know, these are big dogs. and That's you, still like you've got to, you just got to be willing to uh, put yourself at risk or deal with some pain if you're like, you only get bruised. But. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, and it's scary. Let me tell you, I, I've yeah. only put the sleeve on once and I'm like, this is really scary. <laughs> but, but it is impressive to see how much power the dogs have. Now, the training isn't just for the dogs. It's also for their handlers. Once a dog is partnered with a law enforcement officer or a search and rescue team, those people have to come in and train too, so they know how to control the dog and so they fully understand what the dog is doing. Most of our law enforcement officers, if they're in canine, they have to take their turn at putting on the, the bite sleeve too because they have to know what it's like. They have to yeah. understand what happens when they release their dog on somebody. And so it is something that they think very carefully before they would release their dog. The Working Dog Center trains dogs on site until they're about 12 to 18 months old. Then it's time to graduate and enter the working world. In a minute, we'll see what a few Penn puppy graduates have gone on to do with their careers and how important they've become to their human partners. Welcome back to the JohnCast. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. Once a dog has finished their training at the Penn Vet Working Dog Center, it's time for them to find a job. Well, actually, Penn finds a job for them, and they make sure that the dogs will have a good home, too. We only sell our dogs to people who take those dogs in to live with them in their families um, because we think that's helpful for their working relationship. We also think it's helpful for the welfare of the dog. Um, and so that's, that's really part of our model and our beliefs. Penn sends dogs to work all over the country. They even have a few graduates in Canada. But some stay nearby, like Skiff, 
who works with Corporal Trevor Keller at the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office. So my dog is Canine Skiff. He is a three and a half, will be four in April, year old uh, Dutch Malinois. He's a uh, Dutch Shepherd, Belgian Malinois mix. So he's an Arcotics Patrol. I saw Skiff at Penn um, as a puppy and I loved his energy. I loved his drive. He is, uh, he's, he's crazy. That's the easiest way to say it. He <laughs> literally will shake until I allow him to do the job that he's there to do. He's just so excited to work and it shows. Trevor is in the warrant division. So when he has to serve a warrant in a case that involves drugs or violence, Skiff goes with him. Just the mere presence of the dog, um, believe it or not, calms down a lot of situations. A lot of times we might get someone inside the house that just hears the dog and they surrender to us, come out, and that's a perfect situation. They also help out on narcotics searches. Our department, we assist a lot of uh, other agencies, being the sheriff's office. We're a little different than police. Um, so if a neighboring agency pulls over a car and they believe there's narcotics in there, they can call me out and I can do what's called a free air sniff around the car uh, to see if canine skiff would indicate to the presence of narcotics. Training doesn't end when a dog graduates. Just like any kind of human training, they have to keep it up and practice. And they often have to learn more specialized skills once they're matched with a job. Trevor and Skiff train off-site with staff from the Working Dog Center twice a month at a different location each time. Today, we're off-site. We're in Chester County searching a building that I've never been in before. That's really important for the dogs to get different site pictures of different mm-hmm. buildings, different environments. So this month, I could be in Chester. Next month, I could be training in Philadelphia. The following month, in Montgomery. This training is in an empty building. There are officers inside hiding, acting as potential suspects or perpetrators. The dog's job, Skiff's job, is to find them and get them to come out. Trevor holds a long leash, called a lead, so that Skiff can run ahead, go around corners and into different rooms, but Trevor can always pull him back and direct him when needed. Dan Eliason is the trainer in charge. He works for Penn Bet. So if you notice, this first part of it was designed to be a surrender. Brian was hidden in here mm-hmm. with no bite equipment. So, you know, the dogs know what the owner of bite equipment is. So you want him hunting just the man. And the dogs know not to bite when he surrenders and he knows how to recognize Yeah, and then the handler's part of that equation yeah. too. The handler's controlling this, mm-hmm. you know. And we're trying to affect that surrender the whole entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're trying to it's really like the bite is the last resort. It is, and this, you know, we're trying to de-escalate this the entire way. But when a bite is necessary, as we heard earlier, Skiff is trained to bite and hold and to bring the person out to his partner, Trevor. Good boy! Come after me now! There's also one room where Skiff has to search for drugs. When he finds them, hidden in a closet, 
this super energetic dog completely freezes. That's his signal to say, hey, this is the spot. Look in here. This is play for the dogs, right? And you reward them and they're so excited to go in there. But this is a very serious situation for all the humans involved. Does that yeah. feel like weird at all? It's, I would say we do so much training. It's like anything else, canine or police or anything else. The more you train it, it just becomes second nature. I just remember one of the first jobs I ever had in Norristown where our dog that just passed, um, he was sent into a building uh, for a guy who broke into a building. I remember talking to the other handler at the time and I said, didn't it just seem like everything slowed down? Now, to the other officers that were there that weren't in canine, it might have seemed chaotic because it's like, oh, there's a dog on a, on a person right now. What do we do? But for us, me and the other handler that was there, it was just everything slowed down. I imagine so, you have to stay in a certain calm yeah. mindset because mm -hmm. Skiff will notice if you're nervous yes. and then they'll yep. throw him everything, off. Everything, uh, there's one saying in canine, everything runs down lead. Um, so if you just... Picture myself holding a lead down to the dog. If I'm stressed, if something's going wrong with me, the dog feels that. So everything mm -hmm. runs down lead to the dog. So to be a canine handler, it's very important to be level-headed. Another thing that law enforcement will use dogs for is tracking, trying to find a specific person based on their scent. So it could be anything from a bank robbery to a six-year-old child that walked away from school. You know those searches you see on crime shows? where a group of people are walking together across a field or through the woods looking for someone, dogs can be incredibly helpful there. They also can search for people who aren't already identified, like people buried in a disaster. That's what Casey does. He's a black lab, also a Penn graduate, who works with New Jersey Task Force One. Hey, come here, come here. Casey, wait, wait, come sit. You're doing a good job. The task force is one of FEMA's search and rescue teams, as well as a state resource. Casey's handler, Lori Stevens, is a volunteer. Everyone on the task force is. Lori works at an assisted living center by day and spends her nights and weekends training with Casey. Well, I, I work Monday through Friday, 40 hours. So I come home, he's sitting there by the door waiting, like, all right, what are we going to do? He's ready to work. And his mind play. He wants his ball. He wants to do something. Um, and we'll go out and we'll go to Lori has been working with Casey for two or three years now. He's not her first dog, but he's been by her side through some of the hardest parts of her life. So I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and it was, you know, very small, caught very early. Okay. But I actually took my national test two days after my last radiation. Wow. So that was my motivation to get through and to just be strong. It's, it's pretty scary going through that. Yeah. But knowing that I had this test and I had this wonderful dog, that was my motivation to get through. Aww. So, you know, I, I got to focus on Casey versus cancer. The task force dogs train at their home base in Wall Township, New Jersey, and here at Lakehurst Navy Base, part of Joint Base MDL. In what was once an empty field, they've built a full disaster site. The rubble pile actually was created. They took the old Manilokan Bridge in New Jersey. They brought it to Lakehurst uh, Naval Base, and they chopped it up, and they made our rubble pile, which is almost the size of a football field. There's actually a New Jersey Transit car popped on top of it, and there's some buses and cars. It looks like a real disaster. I mean, it looks like a disaster, but it also looks like a play playground. <laughs> it's, it's a dog playground for yeah. sure. 
So we have a couple victims that make the members of the task force and we hide them in the pile. So they're not visible. And then the dogs, we bring them out one at a time. Okay. And then once they find that victim, they'll alert for maybe 10 to 20 barks or until the handler gets there. found John and then the victim will bring out the toy even though the dog can't see it they stick it out a hole and they play tug with the dog and then they have a big party they say good boy all right <laughs> yay good boy oh yeah did you find your person oh yeah yeah and it's just it's really cute they love it the task force has been called in for some major disasters near and far some of the members who have been there for a while have seen a lot, like Alice Holmes. My first big deployment was 9-11. New Jersey was the first team that was there. But we were there for, for two weeks. Um, and then after that, I mean, all of them. Um, the gas explosion in Ewing, we went to southbound Brook after the hurricane. Hurricane Sandy, I saw the roller coaster in the ocean. Yeah, all of them. Wow. All of them. The task force formed in 1996. They put out a call for canines in 1998. And Alice was one of the five people chosen to start that team. Now she's the canine coordinator. Alice is a teacher for her day job, but she's hoping to retire soon. Like when I stop teaching, I'll be just training dogs full time. So nice. that'll be fun. Yeah, because you know, I don't plan on stopping. These dogs are super focused when they're at work, but at home, they're as cuddly as you'd ever want a dog to be. Like Skiff, Trevor's dog. He will literally throw his body down, give his belly up. It's almost like he just, he knows like, hey, I'm home. This is my nice, calm space. You're with Skiff both in your work day and yeah. at home, like all the time. I mean, the, you talk about man's best friend, but I feel like you two have got to be truly best friends. Yeah. So I was, the running joke that I always tell people is I spend more time with Skiff than my wife. Because mm -hmm. again, he's with me at work. He's with me at home. People make comments on the street all the time, or even when I'm at home, that dog does not stop looking at you because I am his alpha, I am his handler, and he looks to me for direction. It's just, it's just that bond that you slowly build. Of course, you have to be a dog lover to go into this kind of work. Both Trevor and Lori say they've always loved dogs, but their relationships with Skiff and Casey are unique. The joy is the connection with Casey. It's just to a level I've never experienced. I've loved all my dogs that I've had. They've been all wonderful, great, love them. But Casey, there's just another level of connection and it's just amazing. And it's he looks at me, I look at him. We don't have to say anything, you know? We just kind of know what each other's thinking. I know that sounds crazy, but it's just, it's it's a really good thing. And that's, that's yeah. the motivation. It's just hard to explain to people that don't, are in canine. That bond that you build with that dog and that, just that, that team, it's just, it's one of a kind. The Johncast is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcasts, and it's made in Philadelphia by Tom Rickert, Brian Seltzer, Myron Kaplan, Holly Stevens, Bibiana Correa, and me, Sabrina Boyd Serka. Thanks to Anne Marie D'Angelo, John Donges, and everyone else at the Penn Vet Working Dog Center who helped coordinate interviews for this episode, as well as everyone at the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office and New Jersey Task Force One who participated. Check out pictures and videos of the dog's training at the link in our show notes and on our Twitter page, at the Johncast. 
You can also follow us on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts to get every new episode. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another story soon.